This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, is Sam being too careful? Has Charlene hit the real mother load? We tackle these questions and more, including the school debate. Whether it's back to school or not for you, will the kids be okay? Hello. Hello. How good? How <laughs> fine and you? <laughs> I mean, it's been a random, it's been a random year, but like a really fucked up couple of weeks, weeks. as well. Yeah. Over and above everything, can I just state for the record that I'm super irritated that I don't get to see your face Yeah. weekly. <laughs> yeah. And I, Well, I suppose I, I, I can still see your face weekly if I called you every week on a video call, but I want to hold you. I want to see you. Mm, I feel the same way. I miss, I miss you and I and miss got, adult conversation. Pretty belly and I can't get <laughs> to – I didn't know you when you had your first belly, so I was really looking forward to knowing you when you have your second belly. Mm, Ray um, felt the baby move last night for the first time. Aww. So that was nice. Also, Elijah had his little hand on there. I don't know if he registers what he's feeling, but... Yeah, but uh, it's the thought that counts. Oh, that's so cute. It's nice that he's getting involved as well. Yeah, he's... Look, he's super involved, and, and you will know because I messaged you and was like, is this normal? So I'm battling with um, low blood pressure, and I felt very dizzy today. Felt like I was going to pass out. I was sitting playing blocks with Elijah, and I had to stand up and get some air... And I just ended up vomiting in my front driveway. <laughs> Sorry that I'm laughing, but <laughs> I just think about how that must have looked. <laughs> um, oh. And poor Elijah, like saucer eyes, like what? I, I couldn't tell whether he was disgusted or like frightened for his life because he's never seen me throw up or be out of control or he ha- he doesn't know mommy like that, you know? Yeah, he doesn't know you to be sick. Also, if like if you're if vomiting isn't something that happens regularly, like in our household, vomiting is par for the course because <laughs> Josh vomits like you walk past him with an open packet of chips and he just like on the floor. <laughs> so Jessie now knows she's, she's gotten into a habit to say if she doesn't want to eat something, she's like, no, mommy, it will make me vomit ah. just because it's an excuse because that's what Josh says. So vomiting in our household is the norm, but I can imagine in your household – for Elijah, who hasn't seen it or hasn't really been exposed to someone like bent Never, over, like yeah. going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shame, man. So he ran, Ray wasn't home, but he ran to Ray's office to try and get help and he wasn't there. Oh. And I'm just like between one to pass really out and no, I'm you just like. You can't really talk to me like, Elijah, it's going to be okay. Just come here. Daddy's not here because yeah. you're busy vomiting. <laughs> and I'm just like, I've got tears in my eyes and I'm obviously not looking great. And I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, fine, let's go watch some he's TV. Like, and he's just like, mommy, just Mom, don't eat anything else. Don't, don't eat anything. Don't bullshit me. I can see you don't look fine. <laughs> and the don't ho- eat anything else. Oh, <laughs> the shit. whole of today, he looks at me and he's like, mom, take some deep breaths with me. Come. <laughs> and he, do- he does what I do with him when he's like being all savage and I'm trying to yes. calm him down, so now I've had to take a few deep breaths today. Oh, shame. <laughs> shame. I, yeah, I got some great advice from a friend who said it's good for little boys to see their moms going through womanly things and to say, well, look at what my body's doing. My body's creating a little person. And think about how many things go into a human being. Let's talk about your body and and remember, I'm making all of these for a baby, um. So it's gonna it's gonna it's hard work to do yeah. it, and and that's why. So just to, on his level, explain the changes your body is going through. That was really helpful advice. Yeah, which I've started doing. So, yeah, here's me. I like to be in control of everything, and 
I'm I'm not even in control of my breath. I'm out of breath. I'm sitting still right now, and I'm out of breath. <laughs> oh, but that's normal. Like I told you, just when we started uh, speaking before we started recording, mm. it is. I remember being almost from like the second week of my pregnancy with both of my kids having shortness of breath. So it's very normal. Your heart and your body, your entire system is working double as hard to do just its normal things. Like just mm. purely circulate your heart needing to circulate the blood through your whole body is that much harder because there's that much more blood to circulate. So it's, yeah, it is unfortunately comes with the territory. And you are by no means early in your pregnancy. You're no. like heading, you're heading <laughs> into being quite far pregnant. I'm well <laughs> into my, I'm more than halfway and I'm exactly. well into the second trimester. Yeah. So for the listeners who missed it, um, I'm having a boy. <laughs> um, I think, let's do that. Having a boy. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> we should we should actually circle back to raising boys and raising versus raising girls. I've had yeah. some interesting discussions, and now also with um, the gender based violence that's in the yeah, news and sure. and in the spotlight again. Sadly, and or still, should I not say again? I should say yes. still. Um, yeah, I've been thinking you know a lot what? about raising my boys. Like I've been scared. To raise a girl, but I'm just like, actually, Sam, it's much more important to be raising boys right at the moment, right? Mm, for sure, Not for much sure. More important, but you know what I mean. No, but it is. It's it's uh, very important currently for, for with how we raise boys because we we're kind of having to rewrite history. Yeah, exactly. With what we're doing currently. Exactly. Now, yeah. I've got to check the grandparents when they say boys will be boys. Or I've got to check Ray constantly when, um, I mean, Elijah wasn't a very big crier when he was a baby, a newborn. Mm. He really didn't cry a lot. Mm -hmm. And Ray said something to the effect like, no, you, um, you're quite a brave boy. You <gasps> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and he, we he make meant that well. Same mistake. No, we make the same mistake because Red, so, no, sorry to interrupt you, but from mm. when Josh was born, he was hell-bent on um, Josh not being as fearful as I am and being more courageous like Rhett is. Because Rhett's more courageous where I'm more fearful, just mm. in general. I'm scared of everything, heights, the dark, spiders, snakes, everything. <laughs> Um, whereas Rhett's much more adventurous, like he'll go for things, and he wanted to instill that in Josh. So from being uh, from being a little baby, he would say, "You're brave. You're a lion. You're not scared. You're brave. You're a lion." And I'm like, now he's gonna think that he has he, to be that way. He has to be brave, and he has to, yeah, he has to be this mm. hard ass like showing emotion and feeling emotions is not acceptable for boys. So exactly, you mean well. Because you want to like chant them into success almost. You want to yes. root for their success and their their emotional and mental strength. But the truth of the matter is they will feel these things and they also still they can't be fearful when they do have feelings or thoughts. We we've gotta guide them. It's so difficult. It's so it's so, it's difficult. so hard. So so it's all of that. It's raising raising little men. And raising strong women mm. in the midst, of, or and raising them to be anti-racist and inclusive, and um, to to look at things um, intersectionally, and all of that, not, and yeah, not discriminate, <laughs> not have bias, not not oh, categorize, Lord. none of all of that. But let's all, yeah, amidst a global health crisis, <laughs> exactly. Health I and mean, economic crisis. <laughs> yes. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> let's have a baby. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be making one too. Well, listen, <laughs> you cannot put your life on hold. You didn't know that nobody knew no. that this was going to happen when you, dis when you were planning your family, yeah. which I suppose leads me to my question now. Uh, you said that you're being sa – is Sam being too careful? Why – Right. Are you being too careful? So we're, I mean, we're going to get into the school debate today and we'll discuss uh, what our individual decisions have been around this and why. Um, and so I can't wait to get into that. But I thought 
in terms of my context, let me first give um, some lis- listeners some insight into into my story. So, I mean, we've spoken a lot on this podcast during this time about being pregnant during a pandemic. And I mean, shortness of breath and low blood pressure and raising my toddler is the least of my worries. Oh, they're the least of my worries right now. What I'm worried about is um, this disease that we don't know much about, this virus that we don't know much about, how will it affect my pregnant body? Um, how will it affect my child? And I know that there's been a lot of research and a lot of articles that have come up, but as a journalist, I have to look at it with a discerning eye. Well, I can't help but. And one thing I know is that studies that I've had to do articles on in the past have been studies that look at 10 years of looking at a virus and its impact on children. And now we have six months, you know, Mm. at best. Mm. So I still have my doubts. I see the body of evidence. I listen to the experts. I'm not going, bullshit, this and this and this. You're wrong. You're just being paid by God. Like, I don't... I don't listen to conspiracy conspiracy theories. I don't jump to conclusions about uh, what government's trying to do and who's evil in this. And it's a, it's a shit show and a grey mess, right? Yeah, it's just a waste of. I imagine my opinion is that it's a waste of my energy to still have to juggle that information <laughs> in yeah. and amongst everything else I'm getting. It's hard enough to process just day to day info yeah. that I'm getting. So to now have that in the mix. It makes me feel very overwhelmed. So there's a lot of unknowns. And look, I'm, Ray and I are, are on a united front here. And we're erring on the side of caution. And I'll get into that when we speak about the school debate. But what I also wanted to highlight listeners, uh, highlight for listeners is Elijah's birth story. And that's also just how my past, and uh, should I say past trauma, comes into how I make my decisions. And that's what I want to really drive home in this episode as well, is that we're all individuals with our own stories and our own families. And you can't just make one decision right for everybody. Mm. So where I'm coming from in my decision is that Elijah was born with group B strep. I had a really bad uh, group B strep bacterial infection when I was pregnant with him. And took all the precautions, did all the proper reading, uh, saw all the specialists, got all the second opinions, and I was fairly certain that it would be fine to go ahead with the uh, vaginal birth that I had planned. And um, I had to be on, because I had the group B strep colony in my body, which is, I always explain to people, it's very similar to like candida, where candida or like thrush occurs is a naturally occurring bacteria in your body and um oh i'm out of breath just sitting here (laughs) stop running on a treadmill while you're talking i know i shouldn't be podcasting while running how dumb so i explain it like that so group b strep occurs naturally in one in four women and when um, it flares up in pregnancy. It can be dangerous. It can flare up anytime, but when it does so in pregnancy, it can be dangerous. And it flared up in me. And like I said, I took all the precautions. One thing I had to do was get to the hospital when my contractions were 10 minutes apart. So I had a long way to go by the time I got to the hospital. And so that they could put me on a drip of antibiotics. And those antibiotics were supposed to protect me and baby. And... I had statistics, and my statistics were that I might, like I stand under correction, because this was three, four years ago, but um, Elijah had a one in 400,000 chance of contracting uh, group B strep from me in utero, where it would have gone uh, flip. Pregnancy brain. What's the body of water that surrounds your... (laughs) Amniotic fluid. (laughs) Would have gone through the amniotic fluid and infected the baby. So baby's in a very safe cushion when you're pregnant. You know, Mm. the amniotic fluid and the uterus and everything, the the plug, the mucus plug, everything protects baby, which is great. But somehow, 
Group B strep got into my placenta and got into my baby. One in 400,000 chance. So now when people throw at me the death rate of COVID-19 and say 2 to 3%, They're I'm just like, like I'm that's still, pretty high. <laughs> thanks, I'm still not gambling with that that's at all. That's high enough, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm cool. So am I being too careful? Maybe. But what Ray and I have decided as a family is um, we'd rather be wrong about this. In fact, mm. I'd, I'd like to be wrong about this. I'd like for those experts to be right and for COVID-19 to not be affecting small children and babies and, and yeah. for it to be safe. I'd love for that to be the case, but I don't want to take a chance again. Look, I, I always, my standing on uh, caution and being careful on anything related to babies and parenting and I, I never was this way and it changed me since I've, I've become a parent. I have realized that when it comes to your family and your kids, if you are, if you have gone from being the easiest going person to no, like strict diet, no products that are not organic and I, you can never be too careful. Your decisions surrounding your family, and that's what I will always say to any mom, expecting mom, anyone planning to have a family, it changes you. It changes your viewpoint on life. And because it's such an uncertainty, you need to do for your family what your gut and your instincts tell you. Whether some people might view that as obsessive and overly cautious, it's not for them to decide. It is for you to decide because you need to live with yourself and your decisions mm. daily. And so when you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, you are making those decisions for your family because it is your natural instinct to do that, whatever those decisions might be. My decision might look different to yours, but my situation is different to yours. Even if our decision, if our situation was identical, I would still be making decisions based on what I feel is right for my family. And if that means that I must be overly cautious or overly careful, over, overly, I use the term loosely mm -hmm. because that's how people's, people might view my decision making – it's, it's none of their business. That is what I'm deciding for my family. Mm. And it's like you, you always say, in parenting, you don't get a mulligan, which is... No. I, well, that's why I think um, parenting issues really raise the ire in people because you want to be right. You know? Exactly. So someone with a differing opinion to you, um, you want to... You, your instinct is to be like, oh, obviously you're wrong about that. Yeah, because, because you're doing something different. Because you're doing something different. So you feel like, no, but what I'm doing, I feel is right. Yeah. So if, if, you're, if, you, if what you're doing is right, then that means what I'm doing is wrong. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Whatever you're doing for your family, in my opinion, is right for you. So Charlene, speaking of... Uh, your family and raising it and whatnot, you've hit the mother load. Or have you? Let's, <laughs> let's hear it. Yes, I have, but not in, in a good way at all. Mm. I've hit the mother load in the sense that we always talk about the mother load, all of the weight that a, a mom uh, carries but whilst having to – in Afrikaans, we say – you met Ali Pota and Ikuaka. You know, you've got to keep all the balls juggling. You've got to keep all the pots boiling, all the things going. And I, that's the mother load that you carry daily. And even though I'm very lucky that I've got Rhett at home with me still 24 7, uh, aside from the odd meeting or, or job that he has to go and run, he's still very involved at home. But I, we've started working now again um, in level three. And so, when it was a uh, lockdown uh, wh where our households look very different, mine compared to yours, you were still working and doing all of that. And I was just lockdowning with my kids. We were activitying and we were, when we were doing schoolwork, we were doing just that. When I was cooking, I was doing just that. So the juggle for me was just giving the kids my full attention and sharing that with housework. That was difficult enough because I wasn't used to it. But now I've had to rewire my brain because now I've got to start working again. And I'm stuck in my 
kids getting my full attention pretty much. My housework and my kids, housework and my kids, housework mm. and my kids. And now I'm in the position where you've been all this time where you've got to do housework, kid, work, and being pregnant. <laughs> so I'm complaining now. And I, I, as I'm uttering these words, I realize it seems very insignificant. No, you're Compared allowed to. to. What like you've I had say, to, we're different. You know? What you've had to deal with. But I am not, uh, I don't get frazzled. And they, like you get frazzled, but you manage to bring yourself to a point of organization by just making your list and planning <laughs> like bite sizes and just tackling things. Mm. I am not like that. I get frazzled and I find myself, you know, when you have such a busy day with so much to do that you don't actually know where to start. Yeah. And you don't feel like you've produced anything by the end of that day. So I feel like I don't know where to start. And then <laughs> I just don't start anything. Mm, and then as a result, things pile up and I, be, I feel more and more stressed and more and more stressed. And then I've done myself the biggest disservice or injustice because I get to the end of my week or after two weeks and I'm like, shit, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah. If I had just started, I would have been able to take one thing off the list. So I'm just not finding my new normal. I'm not able to juggle and, and balance. I, I know I have to rewire my way of thinking, but I literally feel like I'm on a sinking ship and it's just sinking a little bit more and a little bit more because now I've let go of even the kids, um, the one-on-one -on -one attention that I've had to give them. And they, they're nagging because they're like, mommy, mommy, because they're used to having my undivided attention. Yeah, it's been three months of that. And now I'm not giving it to them and I'm getting aggravated with them because I just expect them to understand. But I can't because this is they've only known all this time my undivided attention. And they're two and four. You know? Yes. Yeah. Plus also, we haven't stuck to the strictest of routines on this lockdown because I felt it was traumatic enough. Mm. So I'm just going to go with the flow a little bit more. Now their daytime naps are off, uh, are like not on schedule anymore, which means at night they're not able to go to bed at the same time anymore. And it just feels like everything is chaotic and dear Makar. And so now I can't expect them to go back to, okay, eight o'clock in bed, ba bed, bath, dinner, bed, bath, you know, routine, mm. because I, they're not a switch that you can flick on and off. And so now I'm dealing with all that guilt for not having stuck to that routine during lockdown so that now when things are starting to have to go back to normal in inverted commas, because nothing will ever be the old normal again, in my opinion. Mm. I'm just battling. Yes, it's a very long way around to say that this mother load that I have hit feels like it's sinking my ship. Well, when you when you told me when you used the words "I'm not coping," it made me think of something that Kali Abramovitz, um, yes. the clinical psychologist that we spoke to a few episodes back in our mental health check-in episode made me think of something she said. So I actually went and found that soundbite for you and probably for many of our listeners. I, I think the question is not, are you coping? I think we're all coping. And that's, that's almost, you know what I mean? We're all managing, even if we're having freak out. Yeah. So, but I think the, the important thing to kind of focus on is, what aspects of this are in my control and what am I, what of, what of what I can manage is going okay for now. And so from, from my answer for that is in, in terms of what I know I can manage at this stage, I'm, I feel like I'm managing well. Ah, that was a good one. <laughs> I've forgotten about that, actually, and it makes so much sense because if I have to think about my situation, there are just some things that are out of my control. And, I mean, when I texted you last night at, like, half past nine or 20 to 10, Red's been under the weather. He hasn't been feeling well, and we can't figure out exactly what's wrong with him. It's a long story, but it's got to do with his heart. And we're going back and forth with tests and doctor's opinions and, and, and he's going to see a cardiologist. He's on all sorts of different meds. And that's also weighing on my mind because. Of course. Yeah. 
actually, this, if you is think this about dude it, going to have a heart attack any day now, or is this just anxiety, or is the stress, is this stress leading to anxiety yeah. affecting his heart, which will inevitably end up in giving him a heart attack? And so, plus you also you hear these like. We have one of his closest school friends. I mean, Rhett is, what, 33 years old. One of his closest school friends, two months ago, she had a six-month-old baby, two or three months ago, died of a heart attack. Mm. She went to bed. She fed her six-month-old, and she just never woke up again. But this went is... for a nap. And this is the kind of thing, like, you cannot put this... You can't be like, okay, no, but that won't happen to me. No, and think about it. If we weren't in lockdown, if we weren't dealing with a global global pandemic and facing gender-based violence and uh, Black Lives Matter movements and rearranging everything that we know to be true or, or not, not to be true, but our status quo. Yes, you know? to be like, what is our, our guiding, what is our norm? Like, what I'm, not, is- I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we've been shaken out of the status quo. Yes. Violently, by a pandemic and by global um, political and social, socio-political movements. Mm. Um, and it's hit us hard. If that didn't happen, Rhett's um, health issues right now would be paramount in your guys' mind. And you'd yes. be worried about it. For sure. And now we've got all of this going on <laughs> and, and worrying about that. And yeah. so... Yeah, it's really tricky. So it's true what Carly said there, and I, I, I'd forgotten about what she said. And when she said it in that interview, it, it was like a a light that mm. stood out to me. And I, I'm glad you reminded me of it because it is true. I mean, like you say, we're I'm my boat's sinking, and I don't know yours is just cautiously <laughs> going ahead, <laughs> just but paddling slowly. <laughs> we we are all weathering a similar storm. In our little individual boats. And it's and, and yeah, it's not whether we are coping. It's just that <laughs> what do we have what can we control and are we coping with that? Well I put because it out I put it out on Instagram. I found it very and actually I spoke to Genevieve from the New Normal who asked something similar on Monday and we're now sitting on what's today? Thursday. Day eleven T of yeah, don't ask me the date. The umpteenth of. Oh wait, I've got a little cheat <laughs> cheat here on my laptop. It gives me the date. <laughs> is it Thursday? It's Thursday. It is Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Tuesday was a public holiday. Then we had Wednesday today. Right. Today's Thursday. Yeah. So I on Monday I asked, and so did um, the new normal. We all asked our Instagram followers how everybody is doing, and the response all round was not good. People are struggling. Like really struggling mentally financially physically even um and this whole it's been just a a huge burden and a struggle to parent during this pandemic i mean i'm not saying non-parents aren't struggling but we're a parenting podcast so that's where we're coming from i suppose no you're right i mean i was going through my instagram feed and one of my acquaintances it popped up on my feed and, and her post was just a blank screen with the words a bit over this shit. And she captioned it. Anyone have anything positive to share? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> with like three question marks. And? Because that's that's just the, the – and then everybody was just like, we're so sorry. It's an awful <laughs> – sorry, friend. Wine? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's just – it's the it is currently everyone is feeling that way. So, I mean, look, we've all had to make, we've all had to weather something really terrible or many terrible things. Um, the impact of COVID-19 and uh, social, socio-political issues that are abounding, it's just been super tough. And a lot of tough decisions have had to be made because of the impact of all of these things. Not least of all, whether to send our little ones back to school or not, which is what we'll be discussing over and above everything else. Uh, what we'll be discussing today. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag, Hashtag no judges.
So when we talk about schools, we know that matrics and grade sevens have been back since the beginning of June. Not without hiccups, might I add. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I read that something crazy, like either 67 or 87, something, well, like in the double, high up in the double digits, schools in Gauteng had to close um, in the f- after the first week because of COVID instances. And, and I think this is what, I mean, we discussed the kids not getting it or not being prone to getting it. But teachers are adults, guys. Mm-hmm. Because also, <laughs> I mean, a lot of kids might get it and be asymptomatic, mm. which means you have it, you're not showing any symptoms, you're going, and then there are adults at school that you're interacting with. And then adults get it, and you go home, and y- your parents are adults. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's it's a tricky one, because we see the need to open up the economy. I see the need to open up schools. I see, I know what the repercussions are. I'm not going, we should all be in lockdown forever. I'm not going to lie and say it doesn't make me super nervous each time we go down a level. Um, But yeah, I I see the need for it, but I don't know. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer here, but there's one thing that that I really need, I needed to put out word on social media because I couldn't actually find a concrete answer in the news. And that's, when are ECD centers, that's early childhood development centers, actually due to open? Because mine and your schools both are like, without a shadow of a doubt, we'll be back 6th July. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we hear actually it's not, it's not confirmed yet. And a lot of other schools are like, yeah, 6th July, we're going to open, 6th July. But that's not the case everywhere. So I'm just like, well, it, there needs to be like a blanket ruling, right? that Mm -mm. ECD centers are actually due to open. So what I found out after putting it out on social media (laughs) is (laughs) word on the street is that ECD centers that are already on the properties of schools, like your Caros or your Crawfords or um, your Redams, they may open, but independent early childhood development centers may not. So independent ECDs will face a fine and possibly a criminal case if they do open and they don't have, and it's not legislated for them to do so. Some say, um, some articles have said that government will wait till lockdown level one only, which I find crazy in light of um, the president's speech, opening salons and um, Mm -hmm. restaurants and all of that. Because those were also going to supposedly have to wait until level one. Yeah. So like mm. I say, I understand the repercussions of not opening up our economy, but I don't know. Like, huh? And also bear in mind that um, these ECD centers offer support to parents. When, you, when we're op- opening the economy back up, parents have to go back to work. And so these ECD centers offer great support to those parents who have to return to work full time. So a lot of parents are not in the position to uh, have a, a childcare at home, mm. or pairs, nannies, that kind of thing. I don't, I mean, so it's like a double-edged <laughs> sword entirely. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying I don't have a position on whether schools should open or not. I'm exactly. not. I'm not the one going. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. Um, exactly. I, I've made my decision, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, meanwhile. The SA uh, Childcare Association, which is an association of ECD centres, has intervened and is taking the issue to court. So someone kindly sent me a press release stating that their aim that they, there's a um, lawyer in Cape Town working with them pro bono, and their court date is on the 23rd of June. So coming up in the next, well, will happen soon after we release this episode. So hopefully we'll be a little bit wiser, although we've been saying this since April, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and their aim is to get is to intervene via the court and to get ECD centres running up by July. So it's all it's been up in the air since the beginning of lockdown. Mm-hmm. When ECD centres will will open. And I really feel for teachers, I really feel for owners of of, the of these centers, these schools, because they are run as independent small businesses. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's it's very tricky. And plus also, if you think about the teachers at those schools, that's just their job. So just because government has said that schools aren't allowed to open, does that mean I don't have the right to earn a living or a salary? Because yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's not my fault I can't go to work or it's not my fault I can't work. But if the school can't afford to pay me my salary, then what happens? Mm. Mm. Um, let's chat a little bit about... Um, I no judge. I no judges. I no judges. I no judges <laughs> policy, um, because okay, over and above what is actually legislated, what parents have been discussing is should we be taking our kids back to school? Um, because according to the Department of Basic Education, uh, even the grade ones and matric, uh, the grade sevens and matrics, the 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 parents can reserve the right to homeschool their ch- their children if they're not comfortable taking their child to school. So, yeah, the, the, it's just been very up in the air um, or, or I suppose on discussion boards. I've seen a lot of discussion boards, um, including ours, that have put forward that question. Um, and I've been really saddened at the judgment coming from from people on one secular, might I add, so not a Christian page, like a secular um, comment board, there was one that said, that was like damning these, there was one woman that was damning these people for being cautious about taking their children, or about not sending their children to school because um, they don't have enough faith. And I'm just Oi. like, okay, but you don't know what faith they are. Please stop. Wow. Please stop. We, wow, we, and, wow, And we, maybe wow. it's also not about that for them. You know, so mm. like if praying about it and praying truth over your child because that is part of your religion and that is what you believe, I totally respect that. You go forth and you pray and you have that faith. We could all use a little bit more faith in this world. Exactly. But do not judge me for for not feeling comfortable if it, yeah if in your opinion i don't have enough faith yeah and then i mean that's that's just one because, example but because like, also how do you measure faith maybe for me the amount of faith that i currently have and i'm basing my decisions on the, this amount of faith that i have mm. maybe that's enough faith maybe for in your opinion that's i don't have enough faith yeah. but maybe for me i feel like i have enough faith and you don't know what conversations i've had with my god or my higher power that has made me feel like this is the right decision for me. I don't know. I I've seen some really catty, ugly things that people have been oh, like parents have time, been saying to each other. And in a time like this, yeah. Why so, co- let live and let live, people? Luckily, on our platform, people were quite respectful of decisions made, individual decisions made. We had a nice mixed bag, which I'll discuss in a bit, of um. Yes, people are taking their people will take their kids to school when the ECD centers open, versus people that are still too scared and have decided to keep their kids home, and also because of their circumstances, they're able to. So, yeah, what has been your decision in this, Charlene? What what has how have you come to choose what you're doing with your kids? I suppose well, till the end of the year. For us, I, I've i really been wanting for them to go back. Uh, and I'm not going to defend my decision yet. I'm just going to state as it is because I might seem ignorant or irresponsible or whatever to many people. But for me, I feel that if the school has implemented as many procedures as the government or whoever regulates they should – and I feel that everybody's taking the necessary precautions. I want to send my kids back when they do go back. I am kind of a, I'm, I'm going to just gamble it. If any of us get sick, that's fine. We'll deal with it when, as and when that happens. Mm. Um, having said that, I don't have any, and I'm basing that decision on the fact that neither myself or Rhett are really immunocompromised or compromised in our health in uh, any way. Um, None of our parents or immediate family uh, are at risk either, although we do have some smokers in our family, but like 
you smoke, you run a risk of getting <laughs> pneumonia during winter and you're probably going to, it's going to hit you hard then anyway. Mm. So I'm just like a let the chips fall where they may kind of thing. Obviously, we will take the necessary precautions. And I understand that because of that decision, um, the people that I do interact with, if they have different uh, opinions, they might not want to interact with me in the future because I've made that decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm also taking that, wanting to take that risk. However, we are financially unable to have our children return to school come, come July if they do, in fact, go back. So if our financial position changes, depending on our situation then and depending on what information I have available or what new research there is at that point, come August, September, October even, I will reassess and decide. But for the time being, I am the, of the opinion that if it was financially within my means, I would send my children back. So the only thing preventing me from not sending them at this stage is the fact that I can't afford to pay for schooling um, currently. And I think that's a lot of parents. Mm. And I don't think that's discussed enough. But a few parents um, who have kids in Elijah's school are in, are in exactly the same boat. And I really just don't feel like um, it, the choice has been taken from you, should I say. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is I – I mean, do I want to have my kids at home and have peace of mind and be 100% sure that they aren't too exposed? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, I'd love to have them here at home and homeschool them and just be us in our little family bubble. But our financial situation is going to continue on this bad trajectory if both Rhett and I aren't actively involved in our business trying to work it to a point where we are both able to earn a salary again. Mm. So what do I do with my kids while my husband and I are trying to pay our rent, pay our medical aid, pay our bills? And so the only way for us to keep afloat is to eliminate the costs that aren't an absolute necessity, although schooling is a necessity, but at, given the current situation – you know, that falls off the list for me well, and also, my family. And at two and four, you can get away with it. Yes, because yeah. now if I if I don't have that added expense and I have the peace of mind of it's kind of like, okay, well, we can't afford it. And also we're in winter now. People are prone to get sick as a rule in winter. So maybe it is better. That's kind of my boxes that I'm ticking. But what do I do with my kids? I'm in the fortunate position that my mother-in-law was temporarily back at work and she is, as of the end of June, uh, no longer uh, committed to working full-time. And so I do have an option. It's not ideal and it isn't the easiest option because it's going to take out of a lot of juggling. But I have that option to say we can save the school expense, save our kids during winter from getting the sniffles or, God forbid, COVID-19, or them getting it being asymptomatic and giving it to us because then what happens to our business if my husband and I can't work? So, you know, there's so many things to consider, and I still feel vulnerable and exposed in my decision. But if I don't make a decision, I'm never going to make a decision. So I just have to kind of – Knape were to like kind of block my ears and my eyes and just choose a path. And so that's the path we've chosen for now. Like I say, two months down the line, things might look different for us. I don't know. Maybe somebody in my family gets, I don't want to say it, but what if somebody in my family contracts a disease and it turns out to be a lot more scary than I am anticipating it to be? And the reality hits and I'm like, I go into like, I want to go live in a one of those little things that you hide, like a hide underneath the ground. And I want to just like hide from the world because <laughs> yeah. of what's happened. I don't know. That could happen. But for now, if I had the money and schools go back next week, I'd say send them. Unfortunately, that's not our situation. So we'll have to wait for like two, three months down the line. And if things look different, then we will reassess and decide then. What's been your decision? So I took Elijah out of school, I think, end of April. I gave notice at his school. I was waiting on the new fee structure because a lot of schools have changed their fee structures to accommodate parents who um, 
you know, don't have the same income. And also mm-hmm. because you're not, I mean, that there's not the same overhead costs. There's not, mm-hmm. you don't have to feed the kids, mm-hmm. um, pay for electricity, water, blah, blah, blah. You know, so a lot of schools have cut um, fees, which has been helpful. So I was waiting to see what the, I, I mean, that's the last thing is, I just wanted Elijah to go back to school and for COVID to not be a thing. But that's not the case. So there was a lot of indecision and a lot of, um, well, not even the the principals and the owners of the ECD centers know what's happening. Everything is so up in the air. And and this has been going since the beginning of lockdown. So we're talking end of March here. We're in June. And I think for me in my anxious state of mind and being pregnant, the, um, the unknowns were very overwhelming for me. So when we got the new fee structure and it was not a significant enough cut to justify, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a significant enough cut for us to justify uh, keeping him in for an indefinite amount of months. My child was not taking to the couple of Zoom classes that were happening in the week. It was a fight every single time. He doesn't sit down and do worksheets or anything like that. And so for me, who works for myself at home, Ray works for himself at home. It's a huge juggle, but we made the decision early on. Oh, and of course, and I think everybody would have guessed it by now, I'm pregnant and so I've got that hanging over me. Uh, We felt it safer very early on to, you know what, let's just make the decision so that we don't live in this crazy uncertainty and... Um, cut that anxiety out of our lives and just make the decision to take him out of school until January earliest. Because at least then you know this is what our lives are going to look like. Yes. Like we we don't have to, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? If he goes, this is what that will look like. If he doesn't go, this is what that will look like. Uh, So what is our new normal? At least it's like Carly Abramovitz said, what do you have within your control? Those are one of the variables that you could somehow control to limit or reduce anxiety. So it wasn't a... I'm petrified that we will, like, I'm, I know that we will get COVID-19 in my family if he goes to school. It wasn't that. It wasn't a, fuck the school for not giving us more of a discount. How dare they? It, it wasn't that either. Um, it was just... Establishing your new normal and something that you can count yes. on as this is the way forward. And now that I see so many parents in the same boat I was in, in April... Um, in that uncertainty, fuck, I still don't know. A lot of lot of parents gave us feedback and said, I still don't know what I'm going to do. I, Ray and I are like, shit, we're actually happy we just made that decision because then we're, we're not still sitting in that anxiety. So, yeah, that's I've, I pulled in from school. I bawled my eyes out for two days. I was so upset by it. It mm. felt like I was breaking up with a boyfriend. Well, if I take how sad I have been feeling about making the decision because we can't afford to send the kids back, how guilty and awful and sad I felt about it, I I totally understand what you're saying. I will believe that 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 sadness that hits you, I know it. I believe you. It was so awful. So there's been a mixed bag of, um, you know, of reactions from parents on our Instagram feed, so our, our followers and our listeners, also just either they're un- – well, I think everybody's uncertain, to be honest. Mm. But some have made the decision to send their kids when the school's open and some are still holding their kids back. And some have their kids at independent schools and some have their kids at a at a private institution or an institution where the, the ECD centre f- um, – you know, goes up into the bigger school. So they're allowed mm. to run already. I was just going to say, I mean, everybody's situation is different. If I was in your position being pregnant and all of the things considered that you had on your list when you were considering your decisions, I probably would have made the same decision as you. Now, if I was in a different position with an older child in a, a, a big school, if mm. I can call it that, like one of the grades, and uh, my littlest one in the early childhood develop 
uh, development center, then that changes the dynamic of that because the older one's got to go to school. So that one's going to come home and myself and dad and the little one is here at home. So, you know, that changes the dynamic or the, the information affects information or the situation you have at hand affects how you make your decisions and well, what your dis- what your outcome is. We actually had feedback from one listener who's in ex- that exact same situation that you just mentioned now. Her um, elder son is in grade four. Okay, they only go back, I think she said, in August. And then she has a four-year-old. And she said, her four-year-old, she's made the decision um, not to take her. And her older child, she'll, she'll make the decision closer to the time, pending the rates of infection and all of that. And another variable for her is that her um, her husband is a health worker. Mm, yeah, exactly. So, um, it's she possible to be exposure there. Well, she's considering, like she know, she says at any point they might get it. So how, mm. how responsible would it be to send her child, to send her 10-year-old to school um, knowing exactly. that, that there's a chance that he might get it at any point. And he might be asymptomatic and go exactly. and in, because that's the thing. It's not just about, are we going to get it? It's about, are we going to potentially give it to someone else? Mm. And people need to, w- with the wearing of masks as well, people need to just in their mind, um, or that's, I'm, I'm saying it as though I'm judging, but what I'm trying to say is if, if people think about what is scary about this thing? Everything that scares you about you getting it, you need to think about how scary it is of about you or when you could potentially be giving it or passing it on. Exactly. And, and if I think of your uh, situation with your first birth with Elijah and having a one in 400,000 chance of contracting that bacteria from you, how how that must have affected your decision-making and, and what anxiety you must be feeling around the current situation. Mm. So, I'm, I mean, I know I so, I'm sounding like I'm, I'm judging people in their way of thinking, but what I'm ultimately trying to say is you have no idea, we have no idea what people's situations are. And to go back to your point where you were seeing things on a, on a platform, people arguing and fighting and, and being nasty towards other people's opinions, it's really... Like it's mine. really not the time for that now no. because you you have no idea what other people are going through. Yeah. No idea. You don't know their life, you don't know their decisions, you don't know how they're basing their decisions, you don't know what's influencing them to make those decisions. It's really a difficult time. I am of the opinion that right now is just you just do you. You just look at your life, your surroundings and what works for you whatever filter process or filtration process you use to come to your decisions just do it it's it's you have to you you have no other choice Mm. there's so much uncertainty so what can you control to help your family cope well another thing that um people are uncertain about is just the um the impact um emotionally and um, I suppose socially on on their kids, and we've got we've had some feedback from listeners who are taking their kids. Um, one in particular said, "Yes, my son's social and emotional development has taken a massive knock, so she's taking the chance." Another family was like, "It's the best thing, honestly, for all of us." Her son goes back next week. Um, Afro Daddy said, "Yes, they're going back, but I'm really going to miss them, which I never thought would happen." Terence. <laughs> that's so nice and then um someone else said my kid won't even wear a mask to try on so she won't be allowed back i think we're talking about like a two three year old yeah Um, that's jesse as well she refuses to wear a mask i'm yet to buy her one of those hats with a shield because then, then they've also said those shields you need to be wearing a mask with it underneath it i know but <laughs> but like, then i've also i've also heard and read some headlines that say children under 4 are not allowed to wear masks because they don't their bodies don't uh process carbon dioxide the same mm. way 
children four years and above do. Well, you know, it's stifling under that mask. It's, I mean, you can imagine how it feels for them as well. And I mean, whether it's, it can't be great for you to be not breathing in a sufficient amount of air. No, for sure. So, yeah, that's a worry. Look, someone else said a hundred days ago, she would have said hell no to her kid going back. And now she's like, let the preschools open. (laughs) But she does have her hesitations. Someone else is still flip-flopping. She doesn't know what to do. And then someone said, look, I'm terrified of making the wrong decision, but this is not living. And she's so confused. And I'm just like, yes, that is such a good way to put it. This is not living. Because at what point are I, I just thought about that today as well. At what point are we going to give ourselves permission to try and ease back into some type of normal living and normal again, I use the term very loosely, but think about how traumatic and that just, I thought about it today. Our kids have been living in this little bubble and Josh has really been telling me, I've loved it here since the beginning of lockdown. He's just... He is very happy. He (laughs) is happy to chat to his teacher and whatever, and he misses his friends, but he is just so happy that he gets, like, I'm not saying there's no routine, but, I mean, the structure at home is not like it is at school. You don't have to sit down at a specific time, do something. It's really kind of easygoing here at home, way more than what that waking up early, getting ready, now you got to get dressed. he he needs to make this. He likes to make the decisions, and that's not up to him under normal circumstances. But now of late, I haven't been resisting him so much because if he cries because he doesn't want to go to bed, I am a little bit more lenient. So I'm just thinking: think about the trauma. These kids are going back to school. School isn't going to look or be the way they remember it. Mm. They got to sleep a certain distance apart. They they got to eat a certain distance apart. They're not allowed to play at the same time. There's going to be so many rules and regulations and restrictions at school for their own safety. Well, but one, imagine, one imagine of our how, listeners how scary that must be for them. Exactly. One of our listeners had the, and she also has, um, I think they're about two and a half, her her twin boys, and she said that. Her has, like, she knows it's going to be a shit show. She will never be able to drop her kids off at the gate and leave them with who is now a stranger. Like, Elijah at least remembers his teachers. But for the younger kids... That's what worries me as well. Dropping them... I mean, imagine now, dropping Jess off and an assistant teacher comes out in a fucking mask Mm -hmm. and headgear maybe even. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowed to go in and... And there's not them that, into their classroom after there's so many not months. that physical contact that Jessie used to get because I mean she had just started adjusting to going to school mm. in March. If I send her back to school now or even in January, I am dreading January, February whenever they do go back to school because I am got to go that, through that again. I've got to go through that first day of school, that first week, first month, first two months, that mm. trauma of her obsessively crying and. We're social distancing here, so there isn't that her teacher would pick her up, sing her a lullaby, hold her, cuddle her, let her fall asleep on her chest mm. if she needed it. Mm. They can't do that. That's it's fucking hard. And look, it's by this because we because of where we stand, it does look like we're slamming, you know, going back to school and justifying. Why I suppose, we're yeah. If I listen to what our discussion is now, but I mean, we're just. But these are the realities. What's scaring so, everybody. So yes. I do think this is scaring everybody, including the people that are. One is like, it's going to be interesting to see how my kids fare with um, a mask on for four hours. You know? And the fact of the matter is that all these scary things considered, there are many parents and families who do not have a choice. Yes. I can't send my kids back because I can't afford it at the moment, but I have a backup. What do you do if you do not have any other option than to send your kids to school? You screw. There are there are families who have no other option. And I think then, Charlene, either then way, they have to deal with all of the scariness and the guilt of yeah. I'm making this decision to send my kid to school, knowing the risks and the scariness, but I have no other option. Imagine how terrifying no. that must be. No, I can't. And I, and I have to say, like I've I've recognized. Um, from all the feedback we've gotten, like I said, we had a really mixed bag. Half of half of the people were taking their kids, the other half weren't. Um, 
literally only maybe two or three felt at peace with their decision either way. Um, and a lot I've gotten a lot of hesitation from parents, um, whether their kids are going to school or not, on the mental health repercussions on mm. their children. So um, overwhelmingly, this is one consensus, that most of us are concerned about our kids' mental health. I'm concerned that Elijah's not going to know how to talk to another kid when he gets out of this. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, if I were to take him to school, if I wasn't pregnant and I wasn't worried about health issues and all of that, I don't know. I don't know about those restrictions. There's, there's like a damned if you do, a damned if you don't thing about this again. So following all of this feedback, I thought it would be best to hit up a professional and a mom for her take on how COVID-19 has impacted on our children's mental health and we'll be including that feedback in a discussion in next week's episode. Okay, what's our bottom line? Well, I guess for me, it boils down to regardless of what your decision is, you as an individual and as a family have to decide what is right for you. There really is no judges here. Mm. Like we are, I, I understand entirely how difficult it must be for parents who decided, yes, my kids are going back and how, how difficult it must be for parents who decided, no, my kids are not going back because with each decision, a different set of scariness or, or challenges presents itself because, it, like you said, the damned if you do, damned if you don't, that's the one thing for me. Secondly, I, I really think a big bottom line for me is, like, listen to what, if you are interested in reading what other people are doing or what their opinions are, what their decisions are in the current situation, do that. But be open to the fact that it might not align with your decision-making or your decision-making process or even your values. And lastly, don't don't judge people for what they're deciding because you have no idea what they're going through. This is uncharted territory. Everybody is just fighting to stay afloat. And yeah. if if you're deciding what you're deciding – I assume whatever you decide, that is what you have decided will make you feel like you are coping or floating your ship better. And then lastly, for me, a big bottom line is, again, there are not very many reliable sources of information given the current situation. So, and having said that, I'm not judging anybody who, 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 uses all sorts of sources of information to make their decisions. If you're the type of person that needs to check all sources, whether it is potentially fake news or not, to make your decision, if that helps you with your elimination process, great. But if you're a person that's really anxious and battles to make decisions, and especially because the whole situation and the scariness of it makes you feel more anxious, then be very picky with which sources of information you allow into your decision-making process or even your consideration for how you feel on a day-to-day basis because everything is just so dear currently. Mm. And then and then I think we have permission to feel indecisive and dear and scared. And if our decision changes from one week to the next, then that's also okay, you know? Mm, definitely. And I, I think, I mean, I've seen a lot in, in the wake of the of um, Black Blackout Tuesday and in discussing, um, you know, just unlearning a lot of things, you know, that's been the, the zeitgeist, I suppose, of the last couple of weeks. There was one thing that was like, be okay with, there's a, a meme that, that's going around, like, be okay with changing your mind and your opinion when you have more information on a matter. Yes. So don't put your, don't be so stubborn um, that you're putting your heels in the ground and that you've made a decision and you've taken a standing and now this is you got to stick to your guns kind of thing. Yeah, at least in our eyes, listeners, it's not going to look like you've got egg on your face if you say, oh, hell no, I'm not taking my child to school and two weeks later your child's in school. 
nobody knows what went on in your brain or in your house or in your head or in your home or whatever. You do I you, mean, honey. Th- this is coming from two individuals who, Super when the stubborn. first, <laughs> yes, and when the first case of COVID nineteen was reported in this country, we were like, exactly. "Calm your farm, Just <laughs> exactly, people, please." <laughs> Look, I, I still don't support hoarding toilet paper. No, one hundred percent. But yes, I've thought about that episode. Uh, I have, I have a lot uh, lately. I have moved away from my laxy daisy approach ever so slightly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I mean, I think let's just keep the discussion going as we do. Listeners, you guys know exactly. this. You know, yes. if you, if you want to chat with us, weigh in um, on anything, swear, rant, cry, laugh, bitch, moan, um, holler at us if we say something wrong or if uh, you have anything to add. DM us a voice note on Instagram. We are at The Great Equalizer Podcast. Or you can record one on your phone and you can email it to us. Info at thegreatequalizer.co.za is the email address to use. Also, please feel free to keep tagging us in your Instagram or your Facebook posts with the hashtags. Um, hashtag bombing at momming or uh, hashtag bad mom moments. You have no idea. Every like, every love, every share, every comment, it really uh, motivates and drives us. It is our bread and butter. Uh, so, yeah, please don't forget uh, to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook, not uh, only for our benefit because we do we do love it and we gloat in, in, in the reviews, but it helps um, for <laughs> us to see and be seen. And hit that subscribe button so that you get notified when we do make an appearance. Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we will be for you. And so that's it for this week. Until next time, keep your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at and we'll get back to you.